Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There is no better of of Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today, I welcome Paul Hansord back to the podcast, a man with 40 years' experience in the sea trade, working with some of the top distributors in the country. I'll be asking Paul about the future of trade with the likes of China and India, as well as products from self-watering containers to salad balls. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Well, with the bank holiday weekend approaching, three days to get things sorted out in the garden, uh, and we've had some pretty good weather. Well, certainly in the southeast, warm, sunny days, plants growing really well after the rain, and lawns getting lush and green again. I thought life might get a bit easier in August, uh, but far from it, goodness. Uh, that uh, floral fantasia... <laughs> display up at uh, the Hyde Hall Garden demands attention. It's almost a full-time job, dead-head in the large bed of Helianthus, unbelievable brown-eyed girl. Goodness, that doesn't half flower, but you do need to keep those uh, dead flower heads trimmed off. I don't understand why, because uh, it doesn't set seed, you know, it's sterile, but if you do cut the head off, then all the side shoots produce new flowers and it makes a mass display. I've been too to the summer trials for uh, Mr Fothergill Seeds and next week I hope that we'll have a bit of a chat with Alison Mulvaney, their technical manager. There's some uh, interesting and uh, exciting things coming along uh, from that group of companies. I've also been to the pro-veg trials in Soham. As soon as uh, I got my mind round all of the novelties I saw there, then uh, I'll try and give you a briefing on that next week. There's news this week of uh, Balfour Beatty living places linking up with biotexture to build a hydroponic highways living wall for Southampton City Council. Their idea is to uh, install on pillars supporting a, a really big bridge on Millbrook Roundabout a hydronic system. They say having plants growing up these pillars will uh, help to reduce uh, pollution of all kinds. They say that it's uh, evocative of Via Verda, the highway pillars in Mexico City. Actually, it reminds me of a multi-storey car park in Hartford. When we drove round the ring road, it used to be clad with the uh, amazing... Boston Ivy. Really rich green foliage right through the summer 
and then fantastic autumn colour. Uh, there was a similar planting, don't know whether it's still there, on the Admiralty Building uh, that faced south over Horse Guards Parade. So hydroponic living walls uh, aren't really such a new idea in some respects. And it's obvious if we can have more leaves transpiring so it cools the temperature in hot weather, absorbs CO2, gives out oxygen, collects the dust. Of course, the two that I mentioned, the Boston Ivies, are deciduous, but I don't understand why more buildings aren't clad with large-leaved ivy. That's evergreen. It's a great insulator. Does all of those things to improve the air that... uh, evergreen plants do and we should have more of them ivy of course does need restraining it's going to need trimming once or twice a year around windows and kept out of gutters but uh, if we had a lot more foliage in our cities i think that the atmosphere could be improved considerably back in the garden don't forget to keep deadheading the modern kinds of roses if you can cut the fallen petaled blooms back to about a good strong leaf after the rain we've had recently there should be a really good strong new flush of growth to flower right into the autumn i'm harvesting potatoes too i've got several in those pots which have an open net inner lining it means you can lift the inner lining out pick a few potatoes that are poking through the sides and then push it back so it just keeps growing. You know, if you pick the bigger ones and leave the others to swell a bit, there's only one problem. If you do the job quite well, the potatoes grow quite big, swell out, and it's a bit of a job to pull the inner liner out. Actually, you need that uh, same sort of practice as when you're repotting a plant which has a very thick, strong root system that has swollen out, and made it difficult to remove the pot. If you roll it in your hands or on the ground and put a little pressure on the sides all the way round, it just loosens it and it comes out much easier. I've had an inquiry from somebody uh, who's got a new build and they need to uh, get some quick privacy. There's a mound of soil between them and their neighbours and they want something which looks fairly natural to grow along the top of the mound. You know, farm hedges made of thorn, quickthorn, have a lot of benefits. They're very easy-natured. You can cut them right hard if they get out of hand. They have good autumn colour. They're quite uh, protective, you know. You don't have people pushing through those once they're well-established. And so I would suggest that... uh, If you're in a country kind of uh, situation, looking out over fields, and you want a a barrier, then try and include a bit of thorn. I don't think you'll regret it. If you need some uh, evergreen cover, then mix a few hollies in with it. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm very pleased to welcome a return visit to our podcast today, uh, Mr. Paul Hansord. He was a former horticultural director at Thompson & Morgan, a really great innovator, and now I think I can best describe him as horticultural entrepreneur. How does that sound, Paul? That sounds very good, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and are you sitting in your office in the wilds of Suffolk, looking out over those vineyards? I am indeed, yes. They'll be harvesting a small crop in a few weeks' time. Uh, Don't we live in changing times, eh? Indeed, yeah. Yeah, hundreds of acres being planted. Uh, but Paul, yeah. I, uh, I understand that you're recently back from uh, Sri Lanka and India, looking yeah. at the situation with Koya. Yeah. Now, I mean, it seems pretty straightforward to me. You know, you harvest a coconut, you, you pull the coir off, and that's it, isn't it? Well, no, I think that's what they thought many years ago, and that's why I think a lot of people in the early days had bad experiences with it. Now, it does need several processes it needs to go through before it becomes, you know, a good compost. And can you sort of outline what they are? I mean, is it right. is it chopped or graded or...? Yeah, well, the first thing is it needs to be aged. It needs to be at least six months old, and it needs to be washed to to reduce the pH, um, the toxins and the pH out of it. And it has to be washed properly. If it's not washed properly, then um, it, it, it won't grow good compost. I mean, in some cases, the, the, there'll be salt water involved, won't there? Exactly, yes. And you've got to make the, the, the salt. The, you know, it depends where the coconuts are grown. If they're grown more on the coast, then they're obviously getting more salt from the sea and what have you, so they have to be washed more than others. So there is a, a level that they they can test to now to make sure. And they've got more sophisticated with the washing. You know, they're recycling the water, they're um, doing many things to make the water great, quality, good, uh, and not washing it once and wasting the water. So they've, they've improved that dramatically in the last few years. And they'll need a certain sort of texture, won't they? Yeah, there's many different grades now, and uh, they take what they call the fines out, but then you can go from a very fine to a very coarse, more like a wood chippings type um, product. And for instance, they're using it a tremendous amount now for blueberry production, strawberries, cucumbers, tomatoes. There's massive growth of, of these products. And for cucumbers, for instance, now they're actually layering. They have three different layers. So they have the fine grade on the top of the uh, plank, then they have a medium grade and a coarse grade. And what they're finding is that the water roots are in the coarse grade, so it takes more water up, and the finer grade has the finer roots for, for um, food intake, and they're getting up to a 25% increase in yield in cucumber crops by using that type of um, a, you know, a compost, by layering it. It's amazing, isn't it, how, how much yeah. we learn, how quickly we learn, and how things change. 
Yeah. And the good thing about the coconut, it's totally renewable. You know, it's fruiting right through the year. I, don't, I think somebody said to you, you get 50 or 60 coconuts off a plant every year. And, the, and, and they're using it for bed mattresses, ropes. It's amazing what uses it also gets. But coconut is a big area. Oh, pet, pets now using it for pet litter. So it's got many, many different uses depending on the grade and how they treat it. But, I mean, I, I read about... Uh tsunamis and remarkable weather effects reducing the crop so, yes so. there has been that has been a problem a couple of years ago when they had big winds and whatever lots of trees blowing over lots of damage a big reduction in the crop but uh, you know as you say i've been out there for 10 days a couple of weeks ago and they're saying everything's looking pretty good at the moment good crops not a shortage so um that, that's encouraging and so you don't see a problem with supply I mean, you, no, you know, no. the more the uses are and the greater the demand, usually up goes the price. Well, the price has moved up over the years. It used to be um, you know, considerably cheaper than peat compost. It's nearly on par with peat compost now. Um, but, you know, it's renewable and not. So I guess they're still planting more trees and what have you. So, yeah, I suppose if the demand goes higher, the price will go up. But like all things... It, prices go to a certain level and then no you can't take any more so it'll be interesting to see what happens you're using some of this with yeah. a, a completely new way of growing salad leaves i believe uh, yeah well salad leaves and and all young plants as well because we've had what we call the jiffy pellet for many many years which is compressed cocoa peat in a little net and it's like a little tea bag net around it um but i've taken it to the next stage where we're incorporating organic fertilizer into it uh, and seed and making life very easy. You know, everything I try to do with uh, my new ideas is that making it easier for the gardener to be successful, whether it's the variety they grow, how they grow it, the watering system or what have you. So, uh, yeah, this looks very interesting. We're in the early stages and hope to launch next year into the commercial market with it. But, uh, yeah, it looks very encouraging. I mean, we have to make things easier because there isn't the exchange of knowledge through the generations. You know, there appears Absolutely. to be a generation that haven't gardened with their parents. Yeah, well, even my daughter and my daughter-in-law as well, they've moved into new houses and they've had vegetable gardens this year in there. And, and it's amazing, you know, even though I've been gardening all my life and I thought Michelle would know what's going on, you know, they really are naive on what needs to be done and how it's to be done. So anything we can do to make it easier and successful, because there's so many people try, and then they try once and think, this is hard work, uh, I'm not, not bothering it. But anybody who grows fresh sweet corn in the garden, tomatoes, you know, we're having cucumbers for lunch today, and the flavour of them is dramatically different. So, you know, anybody who comes to lunch, we had somebody for lunch the other day, and they said, these potatoes are nice. I said, well, they're out of the garden, you know, and it, it's flavour is so important. And you've been doing trials, I believe, with, with the flavour even of lettuce. Yeah, we grew 150 different lettuce varieties. To <laughs> how, ma- look how many? 150? 150 different lettuce varieties we grew. And we were looking for texture, crispness, and obviously flavour. So we've selected six varieties that have got different coloured leaves. Uh, so we've got a speckled one, a red one, a, a nice green one, different shaped leaves. Uh, and it's interesting, some of the old varieties have done particularly well with the flavour. Um, they don't have the disease resistance of the modern varieties, but for the concept uh, we're working on, that's not a problem to me. So we're just interested in flavour all along. 
you know, and I've got uh, 30 different varieties of tomatoes in hanging baskets this year just to look at the flavour, the colour, the shape. There's so many different varieties of tomatoes for hanging baskets. So, yeah, I'm very, very excited by that. They're just starting to ripen now, so in the next week or so we'll be able to start doing some flavour tests. So do you think we're going to have a, a basket variety to measure up to sun gold? I think you and I were the mm. early birds, weren't we, introducing sun yeah. gold? Yeah. many, many years ago, yeah, I found sun gold. And yes, I think I found, well, I've actually negotiated and got a world exclusive on uh, bush sun gold. Um, and the flavour and the colour is just like the upright sun gold. But what you don't have to do is to mess around side shooting you plant it in your garden and you leave it and again the first three fruits are turning orange as i was watering this morning so that'll be exciting it's a little bit vigorous for a hanging basket but for a patio pot it's all straight in the garden it's going to be fine and we need to grow these things always don't we you know when i'm talking about new introductions if i can do it from a year's experience you have so much more confidence yeah absolutely well I've also got 30 dwarf sunflowers growing because, you know, the pot sunflower market is ginormous. And there's a lot of people growing these sunflowers. But when you get them home, they die within, you know, two weeks. And there's some lovely varieties now that's coming through that will flower for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, you know, if somebody's, all right, it's the throwaway world we live in where you have a sunflower three weeks is good enough but in my mind three weeks is not good enough you know you can if you can get a nice variety that flowers for weeks and weeks and weeks and it's also interesting if you grow it in a bigger pot it will grow bigger and and um produce even more flowers so a lot of them you can actually pot up and grow on your own and, and uh, it's fantastic I've, again i've grown some tomatoes this year in three different pots sizes and you wouldn't believe the difference there is between the yields and the performance of the variety and all you're talking about is a food coppers for some more compost and you're actually going to at least double if not treble the yield of the, of the plant so all those things I'm, I'm working on and how are you going to get the message across then well that's always the most difficult thing isn't it getting the a simple message across in simple ways without making it too complicated so that's down to the marketing and the presentation of the products. Um, and I, I think you can do it, but it's not it's certainly not easy. You know, I've got some watering pots here and for tomatoes and for um, patio plants. And you only need to water them every two weeks, uh, even for a grow bag. And, and that makes life so much easy uh, for, you know, to, if you don't water your grow bags every other day, nearly at this time of year, you'll have split fruit, you'll have um, brown bottoms to them. And this new watering system is fantastic. So I've got to get the message over that spending nineteen ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine, your yields will be higher. You only have to water every two weeks. You're conserving water. You're not wasting water. So that you know, I've got probably the easy bit's been done in, in designing these products. The hard bit will be getting the message over to the public. And, and if we go back to the lettuce and the salad leaves, yeah. I mean, you got an award earlier this year for or was it late yes earlier this year for uh, um was it a salad ball or lettuce ball i mean what's that all about yeah well let's, it's a five inch uh moss ball we're using moss as well as a compost uh, as, as, a, as a growing medium it holds 20 times its own weight in water uh it's a, it's a nice product to work with uh you can sterilize it it's from not from the wild it's from i've been to a moss farm in china where they actually harvest the moss and then it just grows again in the wild it'll grow again but you're destroying the wild 
which is actually um, where there used to be rice, and they're now actually growing moss. And then we've um, made it into a ball using biodegradable cotton and uh, sown lettuce in it. You dip it in water, and then these lettuces grow, and you can cut and come again for about six or eight weeks through the summer, having these lovely lettuces, um, fresh and flavoursome and no wastage. <laughs> you know, it's always good to speak to you. And, and you slip by so many things. A farm crop of moss, grow your own moss, come on. Yeah. I mean, what's that look like? How do you grow moss? <laughs> well, it's just naturally, you know, they, they, they harvest it with a little sickle side thing, uh, dry it on the roads, and then the moisture content between 15 and 18% of the um, moisture content, and then they just th- put it into bales, like straw bales. You know, you never stop learning in this business. Now, you travelled a lot recently in China, and obviously, yeah. as we just heard, Sri Lanka and India. Uh, yeah. What's the sort of trading relationship between particularly China and India? I mean, they're both coming up fast, aren't they? As, yeah, they are indeed, yes. Yeah. Um, starting to work on that sort of stuff so i've got a lot of learning curves to come um but you know i've had some good experiences and bad experiences i've just had a problem with importing organic fertilizer into china organic fertilizer in china is five times the price of organic fertilizer in europe and the government there have put a major ban on um man-made fertilizers so everybody's been told to use organic fertilizers they don't really understand the organic fertilizer very well so that's a learning curve but i'm also exporting some products from china to india to do some more work on them and finish them in india so yeah it's it's that's going to be a challenge for me over the next few months and these would be things outside of uh, the ordinary traders control then a sudden dictat from the Chinese government that says you can't import or there'll be a tariff yeah. can really throw all, sort, all yeah, calculations sideways. Absolutely. You can get some of the products we're importing if you bring it directly in from China. As a finished product, you have a tariff of about 14%. If you bring it as a raw product or as a basic product, not packaged, then there's no tariff on it. So you have to look at all those things. For, for some things, we're finishing in Holland because it's more cost-effective to ship them in bulk because you get more in the container and you're not having a tariff charge. So we do the basic hard, uh, the um, lots of manual labour in, in China and then finish it with the marketing in Europe. So, yeah, yeah they're all, all these things that one learns as you go along. Yeah. So what do you feel about Brexit then? Yeah, that's an interesting one. When you, you know, I travel to Holland nearly every month, and and the Dutch are really organised. They've got working parties about, you know, exporting and all the rest of it. And the UK have got really nothing. I think everybody will want to still sell to us. We'll have the phytosanitary certificates and all those sort of things that are in place, and we'll stay in place. I can't see it's going to be a a big problem, but uh, I hope I'm I'm not wrong. No, well, I hope you're not. I mean, we just all keep our fingers crossed. Uh, I can't see us not trading with one another, and particularly the Dutch have sold <laughs> into this country, <laughs> well, for all of my lifetime. Uh, very good salesmen they are too, and I can't see them yeah. stopping. Yeah. No, absolutely not. Could we just slip a little bit back to Sunflowers? Because you were involved in the launch of Sunbelievable. Yes, indeed. Which, which is flowering in the uh, floral fantasia area at Hyde Hall at present. And people absolutely love it, don't they? Yeah, uh, uh, it's an amazing plant. 
Yeah. So do you think some of that blood will move across into the dwarf ones that you're growing? Uh, that'll be, yeah, I think eventually they will. But the ones I'm growing are from seed. And while plants produce seed, then they will stop flowering once they start to produce seed. The interesting thing about some believable, it's sterile the way it was crossed. So it doesn't produce any seed. So it will just keep flowering and flowering and flowering. But it's a very vigorous variety in real terms. So it's lovely for a big patio pot or in the border. You know, it'll flower for weeks, particularly if you get the nice shape in the first place and I'm not too frightened about pinching it to get a good shape. Um, And if you get that into a dwarf compact form, then it's going to be amazing. So I'm sure people will be working on that pretty quickly to to get it into a very compact form. And the ones that you are growing at present from seed that will flower for several weeks, are there any names that we should uh, 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 remember or look out for? Not at the moment. There's too many to choose from. I think I need another month before I see what's going to keep going through the season. But it's new F1 hybrids. So you've got now got F1 hybrid sunflowers against open pollinated. Now, the price jumps up six or seven-fold for that type of product. But the flower power and the performance is, is chalk and cheese. It's just like the Brussels sprouts when they brought F1 Brussels sprouts or the F1 um, geraniums when they first came into the market. Uh, and I think you can see the advantages of these F1 um, dwarf compact side shooting sunflowers. And, and sunflowers as a general now as a cut flower, it's a mega million business. It's phenomenal how big that is. So, uh, yeah, I think it, it will come. Well, everybody loves sunflowers. One of the visitors over the weekend said uh, they called them smile flowers. They make people right. smile. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to taste my lettuce ball. and see the bush sun gold hope to speak to you again soon lovely nice to talk to you my thought for this week comes from Stephen Harris the chef patron of the sportsman down in Kent Uh, and he says to be the best start by learning from the best boy I go with that I work with some great people. They taught me a lot, and I'm indebted to them. The late, great Jack Matthews, uh, who flew Mountbatten during the war. What a character he was. Boy, great big man, over six foot and shoulders to match. And he always said, as a nurseryman, sell them young, sell them as soon as you can. The safe place for plants is in the till. I remember him kindly, and especially this week, because we're picking the first Discovery apples. And Jack, of course, was the man who found a gardener with a tree at Ardley in Essex, I believe, and it was just a throwaway core. And he took that variety, propagated it, and it's been sold round the world. So whenever I bite into the bright pink Discovery at this time of the year, I remember Jack kindly. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast, and thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Hey. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 